No matter how confident we are in our preparation, life will always throw us curves. One measure of our life and faithfulness is not the avoidance of the unexpected, but how we navigate these twists and turns. There will never be a guarantee that we are fully prepared to solve the problems that arise in an uncertain world. If 2020 has taught us anything, it is that. The parables of Matthew 25 are designed to shine a light on how we live as disciples of the risen Christ in uncertain and challenging times. Unfortunately, these parables are often misunderstood and interpreted in ways that don't keep faith with their original intent. The first of these parables, the bridesmaids, often leads to value judgments in favor of those bridesmaids who brought an extra flask of oil, like somehow the others were lazy. The ones who didn't bring extra oil simply didn't factor in the unexpected. If we start making value judgments about not being prepared for the unexpected, pretty soon we will all be judged. The parable has a deeper point. Based on the example of Jesus, what choices do we make? What view of the world do we embrace? What spiritual disciplines will best enable us to weather the unexpected? This becomes a matter of how we live every day. Are we learning and growing every day? Or do we think it will be sufficient to cram at the very end of the semester? Are we seeking to engage or know just enough to get by? The call of this text is especially important at this period in our history. We are at an inflection point. The change we would hope for is in our hands. Will we engage in the sort of spiritually disciplined life in which we can learn what it will take to live into a new day? This morning's scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here is the bridegroom! Come out to meet him! Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Let the church hear what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen.
Friends, yesterday was a very emotional day for many of us, maybe even for most of us. It was a day where the emotion ran across the community in a spectrum from extreme jubilation on one side where hundreds if not thousands of people took to the streets to dance and to celebrate to the other side of the spectrum where there was grief and there was mourning and there was fear and there were uncertainty. That is the reality of our community today. We are very clearly at an inflection point, and we don't know where and which direction this will tip. Because the reality is it's not like a seesaw where it's only going to go one way or another way. Picture it on the, on, on the, the, the point, a focal point, where it spins, and it, we just don't know. It could drop here or here or here or here. We don't know. We don't know which way it's going to go. And yet, friends, we are at a place of possibility right now where we can envision and we must envision in this inflection point a different future for us all. Different than we might even be able to to think about and conceive in this moment to move beyond this time in our life and in our history where the, the rhetoric of our time and the politics of our time is appealing to fear and to division and to grievance. We are experiencing the wide fissures in our culture, in our society around ethnicity around economics, around religion, around aspirations, wide fissures about who is a part of the community and who is not, who should be a part of the community and who should not be, who's entitled to be a part of the community and who is not. And in the last generation, we have seen these fissures grow wider and deeper. Friends, if there is going to be a change in this, it is we who are going to have to live that change on an everyday basis. The future will be determined by the choices that we make today and tomorrow and beyond January 20th. These choices are all within our hands. Healing can come to our community, to ourselves. Healing can come to our, our, our common life together in the public square. But it's going to require that we all learn. We have so much to learn as people of faith. We have so much to learn about who God calls us to be in this time as a community of people living in the same space, we have so much to learn from and about each other, about what makes us tick. And it is in this learning, these conversations, that we begin to understand where the path to the kingdom of God will lie.
And this is not, I, I, I say this not around the idea of creating this or perpetuating this sense of false equivalency within our, within our culture. Because as people of faith, we come and we recognize that there are certain things, there are certain elements and dynamics about our life together that do not fit within the gospel that we are called to follow and live. White supremacy and its manifestations around, uh, uh, around neo-Nazism and the Klan. White supremacy does not, has not, will not ever fit within the gospel of Jesus Christ. The notion that we're struggling with uh, white privilege, that somehow some of us, because of the, um, the, the makeup of our skin tone, are somehow more privileged than others. Oh, sure, we want to say that everybody's equal, but in reality, we guard privilege and create divisions and economic inequalities, climate degradation, You see, these notions, they're not equivalent to the gospel because they have no place in the gospel. And yet we have to be able to listen to. Because until we know why people are afraid, until we know why people are aggrieved, there's no way that we can bring a gospel message to them. So we do have to listen to them if we are to bring healing into our community. But make no mistake, make no mistake, the call to kingdom, the beloved community, where we love our neighbor as ourself, and our neighbors are even the people that are most reviled by us, They are still our neighbor. They are still part of God's beloved community. And that has to continue to be our North Star moving forward. That is the courtship. You can imagine that there are people that are hearing this and going, "Uh uh-huh, yep, 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 yep. Kind of like the, the, the rich young man that came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Switch to the other mic. We're having uh, signal interference here. So much like the rich young ruler who, when he came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, you know the law and you know the prophets and love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy said, oh, yeah, I've got that. No problem. Been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. We're good. Jesus said, well, okay. If it's that easy for you, then there's only one more thing you have to do. And I can imagine he's just like on the tip of his toes waiting to hear, what is that one more thing I have to do? And Jesus said, take all your possessions, sell it, give the money to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the gospel writer at that point says that the man went away sad because he had many possessions. I can hear some of you saying, you know, as we talk about building this this notion of the kingdom of God and the beloved community that you are locked in and that you are dialed in. But what I'm saying right now is that it's easy for us in this moment on November the 8th, 2020, to shrink back in and to find refuge in what we know for sure 
But this is a time to call, that calls us beyond what we know for sure. It calls us into a place of self-reflection where we are willing to open our lives to the experiences of God's grace that will bring the healing that we need. The minute we think we've got it all figured out, the minute we think we've got it all figured out, something will happen to disrupt that, that'll turn it upside down, where the wheels will come off the wagon. I mean, pick your metaphor, but there will be something that happens that absolutely upsets our well-ordered universe and world. And if there's any doubt about that, let's just take 2020. Because 2020 becomes the poster child, if you'll pardon the expression, of what happens when things don't go according to plan. Right now we're living in a moment in our communities and in our church where nothing has gone to plan. Okay? We did not have enough knowledge. We did not have enough will. We did not have enough courage to face the things that needed to be faced when the pandemic broke. And we've been playing catch-up ever since. Friends, discipleship calls us to the hard work of self-renewal and self-reflection, guided by grace, guided by hope, guided by God. Discipleship calls us to see ourself, our neighbor, and the world differently. Matthew's gospel, as all the gospels, but Matthew's gospel particularly is a primer on discipleship. From the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, where we get the Beatitudes and we understand blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, to our text two weeks from today where we hear Jesus say, whenever you do this to the least of these who are members of my family, you you do it to me. Matthew's gospel teaches us step by step, moment by moment, teaching by teaching, miracle by miracle, what it means to follow Christ in the work of justice and mercy and compassion and reconciliation. This is our call. If we are going to seek the benefits of being a follower of Christ, then we must also be willing to do the work that has been set before us. The work of bringing a grace-based love inclusive community to a world that is divided. This is our call. In the text that Joanna read earlier, the first of three parables, where Matthew takes these, these teachings of Jesus and kind of gives a final, you know, three final points, as it were, before Jesus' death. And they, they, they follow three very specific pieces of it. Today, the piece is about preparation. 
But I don't think that the parable of the bridesmaids is, has been um, talked about in the kind of way that really is helpful for us, especially today. Most of the time that I've heard, and even a couple of times early on in my ministry, the preaching around the, the, the bridesmaids where five of them bring extra oil and five of them don't, I, I've, I've heard sermons and interpretations that turn this into a, uh, a commercial, an infomercial for the Protestant work ethic. If we just work harder, if we just stay awake, if we just do everything right, if we just bring the extra oil, if we just, if we just, if we just work, it becomes works righteousness, where somehow we work our way into the feast. And I don't think that that's what this text is saying. And then the other side of it, um, another way I've heard it interpreted more in the negatives, is the five that didn't bring the extra oil, well, they were lazy, they were slovenly, they were, you know, they were the outcasts, they were the people that weren't worthy of the kingdom of God. You know, and it becomes a who's in and who's out. But sitting beneath those value judgments is the reality when they all brought their oil lamps out, their oil lamps were all full. They could all be lit. So what happened? The groom was late, right? Ladies, the men were late, right? Okay. The groom was late and much later than what he was anticipated. So all of the preparation, all that they thought and knew would be enough, wasn't. And that's just a reality that we all face. How many times have you prepared for something and you thought you were ready to rock and roll? You were good. You were good to go. You had it all figured out. And then something changed. Then 2020 happens. And you realize you don't. We don't get judged on that piece of it. The only thing that differentiates the, the, the two sets of bridesmaids is that the one brought extra oil. This is a parable about extra oil. This is a parable about how do we live a life that gives us the best chance to be ready to respond when the unexpected happens. How do we get oil for our lamps? How do we renew and replenish our spirit, our faith, our hope, our understanding when things happen in the world that shake the very foundations of what we believe we know? In a moment like this where there is so much fear and there is so much anger and there is so much grievance, how do we bring hope instead of retribution? when we feel that we want to do retribution, when we feel that we want the other side to pay for what they have done, how do we bring healing when the reservoir of grace feels like it's running dry? The answer to this, the, 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 the key to this parable. The key to the oil for our lamps comes when we live the full image of what Matthew teaches about Jesus' ministry for discipleship. 
to live a spiritually disciplined life by through our life of prayer and our life of worship and our life of listening and fellowship and service. Our willingness to commit ourselves to an image and a vision of the beloved community that transcends the politics of the day, that transcends the widening fissures around ethnicity and economics and religion and aspiration. When we commit ourselves to that life, we find that we have oil in our lamp. It doesn't answer all the questions. It's not the magic bullet to what happens when things change, when the unexpected happens, but it gives us the very best chance to continue a faithful witness. A faithful witness that sees beyond today, that sees beyond January, that sees beyond the next election cycle, that sees beyond the next conflict, that sees beyond because God sees beyond, and that we seek to be a part of that work. There may be some that maybe aren't sure that that's the image they want to live for whatever reason. I get that. I get that. These last many, many years, going beyond 2016, these last many, many years as we've seen the increasing vitriol, as we've seen um, the, the, the lie of white supremacy and privilege and climate degradation continue to be um, uh, fomented, have been hard to see. It's been hard to talk about what it means to be a community of faith, what it means to be the church, because the rhetoric around these issues has done more to divide us where instead of preaching a gospel that seeks to unite us, it feels like I'm keeping the ocean back with a broom. And I know that many of you feel that way because we've had these conversations. But friends, today, today, in this particular moment of history, into this particular inflection point, we do not need to be at the mercy of people who would still sow division, still nurse grievance and grudge, still seek to divide. We don't have to be at their mercy anymore. We can stand in this place, in this space, and proclaim the beloved community that so many others have proclaimed. We can proclaim this, and we can live and work toward this, not by the sweat of our own brow, but by our trust, our confidence, and our faith that we are following the risen Christ who is present still today in doing that work, empowered by the Holy Spirit, 
to do that work. We can stand here today and we can be yeast, a catalyst. We can make a difference. We can bring a new day. We can be a part of the beloved community that Christ lived, died, and rose again for. This is our, this is our call, but this is the possibility. This is the hope we seek. For that, we say thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this sermon from Redlands First United Methodist Church. I hope you've been encouraged. If you are interested in being part of our worship experience during this time of physical separation, please join us at 9.30 a.m. Sunday, Pacific Time, on our YouTube channel, Redlands First UMC. That's Redlands, F-I-R-S-T-U-M-C. Thank you.